are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in here today on the Steve Day Show podcast, powered by CRTV on Westwood One, iTunes, and Stitcher. We love to know what you think about what we think, so let us know. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D E A C E. Todd and Aaron are here. They'll be joining us here shortly because we are wrapping up our series on the seven deadly worldviews. We just concluded taping today's television show. And again, remember, the way this series has worked is the television show defines the deadly worldview. And then here on the free podcast, we take it one step further and apply it a little bit more in depth than what we see in our culture today. And if you like what you've been hearing in this series, you could do us a huge solid. Uh, write a positive review uh, on our iTunes page, on our Stitcher page. People really do pay attention to those. It does help to get the word out. When folks are you know, figuring out what podcast they want to subscribe to and listen to, and if they see this one's got a whole bunch of positive reviews, it will help to change their mind. And that's, that's how you can help us uh, help you get the word out to, to more people. So we greatly appreciate it. Now, maybe, hey, what we're doing here is not your speed. That's cool. Uh, maybe just keep that to yourself, though, you know, and uh, don't say anything and just kind of kind of mosey along to what you like better. We would appreciate that. Don't lie. Just keep your mouth shut. For those of you that actually do like us, though, please consider writing a positive review. It would uh, be a huge, I know it seems like a small thing, but it's really a huge benefit to what we're trying to do here. So we just finished for CRTV, the seventh and final episode of The Seven Deadly Worldviews, talking about secular humanism. And as we've told you also before in this series, we advise you, you, whenever possible, to watch the television episode with the corresponding worldview before listening to the podcast, if you can. And if you want access to that series and all of the shows we have here on CRTV, CRTV.com, promo code DACE is how you'll get a discounted subscription, not just to our show, but all of the shows. And there's a lot more of them coming your way in 2018, beginning, of course, with the great one himself, Mark Levin, CRTV.com, promo code DACE. So, gentlemen, we talked today about secular humanism. We defined it, laid out where it's coming from, what what its ultimate end game is. And, and one of the things we said, or two of the things we said in our, in our television show today that I think are necessary to, to, to reestablish for where the podcast is going to go is we talked about once, once a society adopts secular humanism, it will invariably, inevitably, it will either marginalize, and in some cases, all too often, frankly, it will eventually criminalize a Judeo-Christian worldview. And we also, though, noted that historically, when a society, when a culture devolves, and again, these seven worldviews were placed in this order for a reason. They are, from, from my layman's view of history, the seven steps of personal and cultural devolution. Secular humanism is not a self-perpetuating it because eventually it becomes Lord of the Flies, law, law of the Jungle, and, and the culture feasts and implodes on itself. So it's the final staging area 
of a culture's devolution before something else comes along. And often, sadly, that something else is something wicked this way comes, Ray Bradbury. It's maybe even at times worse than what it replaced. But, it, but if you have a revival, well, then something good can come of it. The question we're going to answer in this podcast is the one we left hanging in, in the television show. And so consider this your after credits scene. This is your DVD bonus material. We're going to answer the question as best we can. Once the contagion of postmodernism, which emanates from secular humanism, once it is done, like the swarm of locusts, the proverbial swarm of locusts it is, once it is done consuming everything that is good and right, and the, and the, and the foundations are destroyed, unless there's revival, what will come next? I'm going to answer that question. And you guys are going to be able to tell me, because you guys don't know what I'm going to say yet. No idea. I purposefully left that out of our rundown because I didn't want you guys to, in advance, contemplate what your answer is. I want you to hear me say it cold right here, live on the podcast, and have you give me your reaction to what my answer is. Okay? But before we do that, we need to see the path by which this is going to happen. Any racket needs a muscle. Any mafia needs an enforcer. Capos. All right? Secular humanism needs the muscle to intimidate. Someone's got to... Let me give you an, an, an analogy. Someone, you, someone has to walk into that small business owner on the waterfront and say, Hey, nice business you have here. Looks like you might need a little protection. I heard there's a criminal element here in town. People are getting their shops burned down. You might want to make sure that doesn't happen to you. Who are the capos of the racket of secular humanism? In our culture, there are two. Political correctness is one. The rainbow jihad is the other. They are the muscle. They are the means by which to intimidate the righteous so that it makes it easier for the cultural Cosa Nostra to take over. Political correctness does it by saying, you don't have permission to think the things you think. And then if we can't stop you from thinking those things, by golly, you certainly don't have the permission to verbalize them. You can't actually say them. And if you do, oh my. I've never even heard of some of these French actresses that spoke out yesterday about how they're concerned now that the hashtag Me Too movement is being used to destroy men. And they're like, we kind of like guys. They have parts we don't have. You know, they can do things for us that we can't do for ourselves. We kind of like dudes, you know? And so, hey, we're not, hey, go get, go, go get all the James Francos and throw them in the gulag, okay? But they were concerned. Well, we don't want this to turn into men suck because men are kind of our jam. We kind of like, we kind of like dudes. And oh my, was there a visceral reaction to this? Political correctness said, oh, you are not allowed to draw adult distinctions. You are not allowed to think two true things at the exact same time. Rape is bad, but that doesn't mean all men are rapists. You can't think that. 
Right now, people are pretending to lose their poop that Mark Wahlberg, who in 2016 replaced Dwayne The Rock Johnson as the most bankable star in Hollywood, meaning the films he was in combined made the most money at the box office. That's what it means. All right? And he's been in the top three for like the last couple of years. So they're losing their poop that Mark Wahlberg got paid a lot more money than Michelle Williams for the reshoots on their on their movie, um, All the Money in the World, which they had to reshoot because Kevin Spacey was originally John Paul Getty. But when all the allegations against him came out, they quickly put Christopher Plummer in there to reshoot those scenes and avoid controversy. And I've seen the movie. It's a great movie, by the way. And Christopher Plummer, you can't tell that they reshot anything. It's not like Superman's bad mustache in Justice League. <laughs> the bad CGI, it's not like that at all. It's seamless. And they did it in eight days. Eight weeks before the movie came out. Seamless. Well, Mark Wahlberg, as I said last year, was the number one box office draw. I still think he's in the top five this year. Can you name five movies Michelle Williams has ever been in? No, probably not. Because she's a delightful actress, by the way, and she's incredible in this movie. But she has largely relegated herself to indie and art house kind of films. The one true big budget movie that she has done popcorn movie that kind of like kind of wish that has make, made Mark Wahlberg a household name was she was one of the one of the witches in Oz the Great and Powerful the Wizard of Oz prequel that Disney did a few years ago she was in that that's five years ago she's filming the new Venom movie right now this is Sony's attempt to create a Spider-Man universe spinoff with a popular Marvel Comics anti-hero named Venom you know Tom Hardy who's a terrific actor plays Eddie Brock Venom she's filming she's in that movie but this is not a woman. This is a woman that I'm, she's a delightful actress I'm, and she's a beautiful woman. I'm sure she could star in all kinds of big budget popcorn films that are more popular. She has chosen to hone her craft and be more of a, of a critic's favorite actress. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that also means, guess what? When you're, uh, when you're doing a movie that has a, a five or $10 million budget and makes 20 million at the box office, you're not the draw that a guy who routinely has, that can make Transformers uh, which the last movie was an abomination. It still made like $200 million domestic. And who was the star of that movie? Mark Wahlberg was. Likewise, there's a reason Oprah Winfrey got paid more than any daytime television star in history. Why? Because she was better and more successful and popular than any daytime television star in history. That's why she got paid more than Phil Donahue did. And Sally Jesse Raphael and Geraldo and all the rest. There is literally no argument whatsoever. It's like saying the women's gymnastics coach at Alabama should make as much money as Nick Saban does. It's, just, it's, it's a preposterous argument. But this is what political correctness does. Logic is not permitted. And if we can't stop you from thinking logically, we will damn well punish you for daring to verbalize it. If you create your own company, like Mozilla, your own internet browser, and you dare to think, I think marriage, it's your own company. I think marriage is between a man and a woman. We will run you, blackball you out of your own company, your own hard work for daring to defy the groupthink. That's a racket. That's how a criminal enterprise behaves. And that's what political correctness does. And it's, it's new evolution now is the rainbow jihad. It is the idea now that live and let live is not good enough. It's the idea, you, if you can scream in their face, I agree, what you do in the privacy of your bedroom, the consenting adult is none of my business, that's not good enough now. That was good enough before. 
Except it wasn't good enough then. They were just telling you that. So they could disarm you of, of whatever your moral and philosophical oppositions yeah. to this would be. Huh. So that once you were once you had beaten your sword into a plowshare, they could then more easily kneecap you. Yeah, if August Ames um, were still here, if she hadn't been bullied to death, literally, she would like to let you know that um, it's not good enough uh, uh, until you're willing to uh, shoot porn with a guy who also likes to uh, bugger other dudes. Yes, for those that don't know he, what he's referring to, August Ames... Um, was a popular porn star who took her own life late last year, late last year, in two, or right before the holidays in 2017. And it appears that she took her life based on the circumstances and and what was going on the final days of her life and um, all of the evidence that she took it after several days of being just hysterically bullied online because she let it be known she did not want to have sex on camera with men who also have sex with other men on camera and it was because apparently and I don't I don't I don't you know I consumed enough porn when I was a kid but I don't remember um I, I don't know what the legalities and the processes are of porn like I do the NFL okay I don't know what I don't know what the porn protocol is like I know the concussion protocol but apparently within the porn industry um Gay performers don't have the same strident standards of testing every, I think it's 14 days or something I read in her story uh, that heterosexual performers do. And she said, I'm not, I mean, that, that's a health risk I'm not willing to take. And, and in the meantime, she was, she couldn't have been more favorable to the quote unquote LGBT agenda and everything else. It didn't matter. She herself was not willing to person, affirm is not good enough now. You must conform. Affirmation is not acceptable. Only conformation is. And Jen- she was not willing to conform, even though apparently, and I also read, she herself has performed lesbian scenes with, had performed lesbian scenes with women on camera countless times. So she was willing to conform, but she wasn't willing, she, at any level at all that she was willing to draw a boundary wasn't good enough. And they bullied this woman until she committed suicide. And then they were bragging about it on Twitter afterwards. So she doesn't get the benefit of her own Me Too, standing no. in her own truth. Nor, no. as you said uh, in your column this this week, does a black man, a uh, black rapper, I'm not familiar with him, named Genuine, yep. who on a reality show, uh, uh, a trans... A dude. He didn't want to kiss another dude. Yeah. 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 A dude, a, a, a transvestite, a guy dressed up as a woman, he didn't want to have to kiss so, the guy. So he, he doesn't get a Me Too moment either. No, he's now a bigoted, he's a black gangster rapper who's now a bigot too. He's, yep. you know, he's Rosa Parks basically now. That's that's a racket. That's how a mob, that's how a mafia, that's how a criminal syndicate enterprise behaves. All right? So the intent of these two endeavors is to bully and silence opposition. Treason never prospers. What's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none will dare call it treason. That's the that's the end game of this. To what end then? So you guys agree with me on point one? Yes. Very the, the muscle of this racket is political correctness in the rainbow jihad. I think that's a self-evident truth. Okay. Yep. Now, I'm going to answer the question: Once secular humanism, unless we have revival, once it is done, self-immolating our culture, what will come next? But before I do, one more time, one more disclaimer. The rainbow jihad and political correctness and the secular humanists 
This is not their intent for this to come next. It is not. They think what will come next is a, a, a humanistic utopia. That we will be free. We will be unshackled from our puritanical prison to be the highly evolved with cognitive ability animals. Darwin said we were all along. And if we just got rid of those arguments and differences over truth and accountability and divinity, got rid of all of that stuff, it'd be like Star Trek with Gene Roddenberry. And I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I always found, I, I always found it ironic, though, that in a series and in a mythos meant to promote the notion of a progressive, secular, humanistic utopia, there was conflict, drama, and often uh, somebody died, especially if they wore a red shirt in every episode. <laughs> All right. Anybody else find that ironic? Anybody else find it ironic that the most, uh, the two most successful villains in the history of the Star Trek series, Khan, who, if you know your Star Trek lore, Khan was the supreme king in the era of the eugenics wars when we agreed we could evolve to a higher level and Khan represented that why would that create if, we've, if we're evolving to a higher level why would that create a conflict does anybody know I thought if we're I thought if human nature was basically good every time we progressed to a new level meant that things just got better and better why 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 would Khan and other fellow uh, his fellow ubermensches why would they go to war with one another? Why would they not? If they were so much better and progressive and evolved and eugenic miracles, why didn't they look at each other and say, you know, we're just going to divide this planet like a risk board and we're going to rule it humanely and benevolently uh, and equally for the betterment of mankind. Why didn't they do that? We don't all end up just singing Imagine? No, it doesn't work that way, no? does it? The other, great, the, the, the other greatest villain in Star Trek history? The Borg. What is the Borg? A collective that removes all individual dignity so that you will conform for the greater good, for each according to his abilities, to each according to his needs. Roddenberry's progressive vision ended up fighting itself, its ultimate conclusion. The Borg is not anathema to what Roddenberry was peddling. It is its fulfillment. It's the fulfillment of it. But Dr. Frankenstein always ends up hating the monster he creates. So when I tell you here in a moment where secular humanism is ultimately going to take us, keep in mind, it, it's, in, its intention is not to take us here. It is to take us to boldly go where no one has gone before. Within, not outer, inner. Within ourselves more. Except that never works. And something else, often worse unless there's revival, takes its place. Are you guys ready to hear what's coming next? Probably no. Not. Islam is what will come next. So Europe right yeah. now. Europe is my example. Europe is about a quarter century ahead of us 
on this devolution series scale. They are fully immersed in secular humanism now. Fully. They are, it is, they've reversed, they are the reverse Constantinians. They have gone from being the, the basis of the Holy Roman Empire and the Catholic Church that blew back, that fought back the barbarians at the gate in ages past in order to preserve the faith once and for all for the saints. To, just as Constantine went from an emperor who was criminalizing Christianity to enforcing it, they have gone from protecting and enforcing Christianity to criminalizing it. 2% of the population in France is evangelical. The amount of Catholic churches in Western Europe that have been converted to mosques, it's it's an alarming rate. The most on a perennial basis now, the most popular baby name to young baby boys born in London is Muhammad. Yeah. There are whole sectors of England that are now considered um, no fly zones and are allowed to practice forms of Sharia law. Uh, even the head of the Church of England advocates that they be able to do so. The heir to um, the throne of England himself. Prince Charles is a staunch advocate of Islam, staunchly advocate for it. They have seen their borders completely overrun by refugees from Islamic countries. They're totally immersed in it. Now Muslims win MP positions, which means they win, they win seats in parliament. That's what those mean in England, okay? They, I mean, you could go online and find they literally give speeches and say, we're going to take over parliament as Muslims. We're going to just take it over. They just openly say this. You can openly stand in the streets of London. How many terrorists? London and New York right now are in a neck-and-neck race, and Paris is catching up for terrorist attacks. You can openly proclaim sedition against the British government in the name of Allah in the streets, and the, the gunless police will defend you. But if you walk around with a placard saying homosexuality is a sin, they'll take you down. They'll arrest you right there. They're about a quarter of a century ahead of us. They are fully now in the throes of secular humanism. It's their default setting. It's the basis of what they are. And you can see... Remember those old bacon commercials when we were kids? When we had the whole craze about not wanting... Because this is what I love about science. When we were kids, too much fiber was bad. Now, now we're all loading up on it, right? Okay, eat a low-fat diet. Now high-fat diets are actually considered healthy. So they invented this low-fat version of bacon called sizzling. Do you remember this? I do. Remember those commercials, Move Over Bacon? Now there's something meatier. And supposedly sizzling, which was a processed food, but was supposedly had more flavor... Than, the, than actual bacon did. Like, if do you guys know that turkey bacon is worse for you than the actual bacon? Did you know that? I did not know that. It's true. I did not know that. It's very true, yeah. Why? Because you have to further process the meat <laughs> in order to convert it to that form. Okay? <laughs> All right? So, they think, they think by getting rid of the church. Western Europe believes it's doing this whole low-fat diet thing. Oh, no, it's not. Move over bacon. Now there's something meatier. Islam will take over, and it will happen here too, if we do not have revival. It will happen here too. You can already see it. No one, well, our very own Stephen Crowder at CRTV will do it. 
But no one is walking into a bakery in Dearborn, Michigan and demanding that those Muslims bake them a gay wedding cake. Now, our very own Steven Crowder has the balls to do that, okay? Nobody, gay couples in Michigan, you know, Sagatuck, when I was a kid, was a huge hangout for gay couples when I was growing up in Michigan, all right? So no gay dudes are getting engaged in Sagatuck and then hopping on 94 East to head over to Dearborn and saying, let's go grab Omar and Muhammad and have him make us our gay wedding cake. No one's doing that. Why? I want to live. That's why. That's why. That's why. And so the intent of, of the rainbow jihad and political correctness is to usher in. They're going to figure out. They're going to do right what every other previous attempt at status totalitarian Marxism could not get right. And it won't work because it denies human nature. First of all, if, if we are created beings, then that means there's a creator. And that is the most, that, that's, that's the most sane thing in the universe to abide by. If you, if, if, if you are ignoring the fact you're a created being, which means you're ignoring reality, what do we typically call people who ignore reality? Crazy. Crazy. So right away you're crazy, you're foolish, you're insane. On some level, you have you're, you're you have a cognitive dissonance. You're detached from reality on some level, and then you're ignoring the lesson of history. Human nature is not basically good. That's why this never works. There's no new way to do this. There's no smarter group of Ivy Leaguers that that'll that'll crack the code. It won't. It can't. It's not that it won't work. It can't. It can't work any more than jumping off a building, no matter how much you scream, that gravity doesn't exist can work. These are pre-existing laws that will be here before we were here and long after we're gone. So it cannot work. These fools believe, by, by cozying up to Islam, because the enemy of my friend is my the enemy of my friend or the enemy the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They think by cozying up to Islam to tag team with them to take us out. That eventually, the Islamist will want August Ames's internet porn and uh, KFC and and everything and well Chick Fil A will be gone. But all the other ones they think that no. You're dealing with a worldview where the guys went to strip clubs the night before and then jumped in a plane and said, Allah Akbar, and blew 3,000 people up, okay? See, they think they're using Islam to take us down. (laughs) It is the other way around. Islam is using them to take us out. And when we're gone, when we're gone, there will be no one standing in the way of these sniveling little leftists learning the literal translation of what it means to smite them at the necks. We're the last line of defense. And the Islamists are laughing all the way to the right side of history. That is what will happen next. Right there. Unless there's revival. It's what's happening in Europe as we speak, and it's beginning to happen here. Now, your reaction, Todd. Well, for those of you who know your uh, Game of Thrones, Steve just described the Red Wedding. 
<laughs> I don't know what that is, but I've heard a lot because yeah. I've seen a lot of people talk about it. Isn't that like an like a nihilistic bloodletting or something? Well, no, it's it's where a very uncomfortable sort of truce uh, ended up working out militarily. Uh, but it involved a going back on the truce in a way that... Uh, so Hitler and Stalin's alleged non-aggression uh, pact. Is that what you're describing? Well, something like that. Yeah. But then and to celebrate, uh, they, there was a wedding celebration. And to consummate that these were going to come it, together? It, right? And it ended up being the red wedding because one side said, I know you think this is a celebration, but it's time to slit some throats. Yeah. And it got ugly really fast. Uh, Red being the amount of blood that was flowing. The amount of blood. Okay. So it's, uh, if you would have said this, boy, it wouldn't be very long ago. Let's just pick five years ago now, even, even then. But what we've seen in the last five years, Steve, I just nod my head. Yes, yes, yes. Is, Islam... Taking even after we've had planes fly into buildings, I believe this more less because of that than I believe it because of transgendered bathrooms and how we've. It's not gonna the 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 planes flying into buildings. At some point, these guys, you've said this out loud before. They might just realize, you know, if we just have a little bit of patience, yeah, we don't need to do that. Yep. And maybe that realization. Is already there. I, I think there's a there's a, a certain aspect of Islam that will always be rogue and will, will want to go uh, in that direction. But I think the broader because even if they could win with a white wedding, they just prefer the red one anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's their that's their habitat. Exactly. Yes. But we we are we are all too willing, and, and the very people who, as I said on the uh, on the television show today, r- regularly talk about how all the, gr- the great violence and tragedies of all of human history were caused by religion. And here is the religion, which from dawn until dusk through its an entire existence ha- has very much embodied that. Yet they will go arm in arm with them to defeat... Uh, the religion that many of these people will still not totally uh, put at arm's length. They will talk about Jesus the philosopher, or Jesus was a swell guy, or Jesus never said. They can't, you know, they just can't quit him, to quote a certain movie that fits in very <laughs> well with a secular uh, humanism. But they will go arm in arms with this other faith. This is nothing short of of suicide. This is it's ultimately going to end up in a sort of a death by cop where they the level of crazy that the secular humanists bring to the table will ultimately end in their execution. Aaron, yeah, that's that's why I said at the end of the TV show um, that if you try to look for um for your own definition of freedom let's put it like this if you try autonomy you will always end up with the opposite of autonomy Hmm. that is that is what is always going to happen because something must fill the void of uh, 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 of being of of ruling 
your life because when you are autonomous uh there there's no uh there's no moorings there's nothing to hold anything together uh anymore uh at at a personal level and at a cultural or uh social level as all at, at all and so i think you're your, I don't know, prophecy or prediction about Islam, I think that is apropos. I mean, I was thinking kind of the same thing, though the, not as many words earlier today, preparing for the show as well. Uh, w- you look at Europe, and I was there back in uh, 2010. Good grief, that was a long time ago. 2010. And it was so long ago, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> 2010. <laughs> and the first thing going through London, traveling through the streets of London, the first thing I notice is that, good grief, there's a lot of burkas and there's a lot of guys I was profiling. There's a lot of guys who look like their first name is Muhammad uh, walking around here. And that, and that was the same thing for Paris as well. And that is... Uh, when you when you look at the culture of those countries and the direction they've been going, and I've heard this since I was a little kid, that whatever uh, happens on the other side of the Atlantic will eventually come here. You look at where they are going and where they've come from, and you look what's happening to them now. I think it's only a matter of time until we see that coming to America mm-hmm. as well. So it's it is a warning. Um, I, I think it's something that we need to be uh, wary of. Uh, but not in a sense of buy guns and ammo, although that doesn't hurt, but to understand just where this thing goes. Not to protect our own selves, but to have compassion on others who have fully embraced what it means to be secular, uh, a secular humanist. Because they don't know what's coming. They think utopia is coming. But really what's coming is nothing but death and destruction. Yeah, that that's those are the barbarians coming over the wall, guys. Mm-hmm. All right. That's that's uh that's that's not another um you know, that's not the, the twenty first century add on to Das Kapital. Right. Okay. Right. That that is another hadith that that you hear marching off in the distance. And to that end, can I quickly clean up my language? I said earlier death by cop. I meant to say suicide by cop. If you know there are crazy people, they purposefully go into a situation, start brandishing a weapon like on the basically right in front of the White House. They know that what they are doing, or they should know, is going to end in some lethal force being used against him here we have secular humanism bending about with islam when they know there are viral videos of muslims throwing homosexuals off of buildings to their death mm-hmm. what what version of americana because do you think the, you're going to spice mind, this up with in the mind of the rainbow jihadist and and i have no idea how many people that are same-sex attracted and just want to live out their desires buy into this? I don't. Just like I don't really know how many people who believe there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger really buy into dominionist ideology. We don't really know. We don't. What what really matters, though, is how effective at imposing their will on us are the ones that do. That's what really matters. And so the ones that really that are involved in this, the, the, the PC police, the rainbow jihad, they view 
they view those gay folks that, that, that were thrown that are thrown off of buildings by ISIS. That's collateral damage to them. That that's that's an acceptable loss to make a larger point. It, it's why they don't hijack Israeli planes anymore. Because the, the, the jihadists learn, well, they'll just send their own Delta Force and just shoot everybody. And that, that's acceptable collateral damage to, set, to, to make the point that you will not terrorize us. There's a, our people have come to the, after thousands of years of facing this, we will accept a certain amount of our own loss in order to inflict greater losses on you rather than live under your boot of terror and intimidation, right? Yes. That's why they hijack our planes instead now. Okay, so the same thing applies here, but in reverse. The Rainbow Jihad views those folks, that's an accept, that's collateral damage because the greater evil and ill here is a Judeo-Christian worldview, which in and of itself is an acknowledgement of the supremacy of a Judeo-Christian worldview because they're not nearly as worked up by Omar or Muhammad or Sharif telling them that they're sinners as they are by you telling them that. You telling them that. Why? Because it's the same reason when I'm working outside and I bang my thumb with a hammer, I don't scream out Confucius, guys. When I'm having an orgasm, no one screams out Muhammad. Why, why do we take Christ's name in vain? Why do we curse people with the name of Jehovah? Why don't we do it with the name of, why don't we do it with Krishna? Because subconsciously, we know in our hearts, we know who the one true God is. We know. Those other names really in the end have no power to exclaim the point that we're trying to convey at that moment. This name, though, does. There's power in this name. And so if I want to, to show the power I'm experiencing at that moment, I'm going to bastardize a name and a word that has power, not one that does not. They know they're not really threatened by the Islamists. They're threatened by a wonderful, merciful Savior that prompts you to ask, why are you dying up on that cross? Who are you dying up on that cross for? When you did nothing yourself to deserve it. That's the power of Mel Gibson's passion. The depiction of this bloodletting prompts the viewer to ask, why would a man put himself through this? For what? Why would he do this? Well, because he did it for you. For you, your sins. There is no personal God in Islam. And so, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I get rid of those of you who remind me I am made fearfully and wonderfully in the image of a personal God who made me male and female and intended for me to have the right desires on how to exercise my humanity. I get rid of those of you that remind me of this, that that remind me that if I knock, the door will open. If I seek, I will find. I I want to bury the truth in my unrighteousness, as Paul writes in Romans 1. Islam allows me to do that because Islam doesn't believe there's a personal God either. You're the greater threat, Todd, to them anyway, to them. Whether that, from a humanity standpoint, I don't think there's, it's unquestionably that's not true because you're right, we're not throwing anybody off of buildings. We're actually trying to rescue people from burning buildings, so to speak, if you get the analogy mm-hmm. I'm using, all right? 
All right, emphasis on the burning. That's what we're trying to do here, okay? Uh, but again, they believe they're using Islam to get rid of who they see as the greater threat. It's the other way around. And that's why they view those people that ISIS throws off of buildings as collateral damage. Probably not the answer you, were, you, you thought you were going to get, is it? No. That's, I, I expected and, and hoped you would go there. Isn't, this, isn't that the uh, parenthetical title of the show? Yeah, we're going to go there. <laughs> so... Yeah, we're going to go there. That'd be a, that's a great name for a show, actually, now that I think about it. Maybe we should or a tra- t-shirt maybe, that we'll never make. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should change, truth be told, the tagline they gave us here at CRTV. Maybe we should change it to, yeah, we're going to go there. Yep. I like that. All right, so now that we've gone there, what did we learn here today? Final words. Aaron, give us, in fact, give us a long view of your, your closing thoughts on the series as a whole. Each of you. Um, when Lucifer said in the garden, did God really say that was the beginning of, um, that, that really was the beginning of, uh, everything that we've talked about this week from just maybe tiny theological errors to um, to killing millions of people in the 20th century alone. It all started with, did God really say? Um, and really, if we're going to be honest, it's going to, it, it really started with Eve then going a step further and saying, well, he said this and said something that he actually didn't, didn't say as well. Uh, the greatest evils start with the tiniest of questions, and I think that's the that's the thing that um, that I came away with this week. The greatest evils start with the smallest or the seemingly smallest of questions, which then lead to the smallest of desires, uh, which then. Once you get a taste of, well, you be like God, then you really can't stop, won't stop until you eventually destroy everything and everyone around you. And that's really what we've been talking about this week. Who, who is God? Uh, who is God? Is it me? And then today, is it government? Uh, or is it actually God? That's, that's, that's the question. So beware of the small things. I mean, we, we talk about don't, don't, sweat the small stuff beware of them though beware of the small little uh cracks in the foundation of your own worldview or of your own theological understanding whatever they may be work out your faith with fear and trembling um but but be aware of the small little questions as well because those can lead to some of the worst things in other words there's a reason why they say the devil is in the details yeah yeah Todd, my answer was going to be identical, but from uh, the perspective of uh, raising my kids, uh, talk to all of them from a very young age of those those little sins. Uh, is it really so bad? Well, in and of themselves, in a vacuum, uh, the world most certainly does not come to an end. But that's the thing; it's not in a vacuum. They are. A contagion, and I tried to explain to them this is this is a virus, and 
every time you do not repent of those sins, those that virus morphs into a stronger, more potent virus yet. And sooner or later, before you know it, you are dealing uh, with a, a, a level of sin that you can't contain mm. or, and or you don't have the parents there to help contain uh, for you, to direct you. Uh, in sharing stories over the years of uh, our families, uh, Steve, it sounds like your older daughter and my older daughter have uh, some similarities. They're both very uh, headstrong. They're both very confident. They're both very uh, accomplished. Uh, but they both uh, can have uh, a little uh, attitude as well. After all, this is our daughters uh, we're talking about. My, my daughter, I, the stories you shared about your daughter going into the theater world and being able to hold her own against the, you know, the noxious worldview. So far. So far, exactly. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Uh, that may not last. We'll I'm, see. I'm, I'm confident in, in similar settings. My daughter has proven she knows the, the state of fallenness that's going on there. But... I've also noticed now that she's uh, she's uh, 14, so she's uh, more cerebral uh, about her life. She also, you can see it, that she's starting to rationalize her own faults in a way like I'm, I, my faults aren't that. Like when she's messing around with one of her younger sisters, well, my, come on, big deal. And she kind of blows up, like, and you can tell there's a rationalization going on there. Like, I'm not those people, mm-hmm. the, the real screw-ups. That's why you're actually more dangerous you, you are the ones that must be the light of the world you must be the ones bearing your crosses and your lies are the the ones sooner or later that turn you into leaders of a uh, free society that goes from having the greatest philosophy the greatest music the greatest art i'm talking about uh germany and a generation later, we're talking about uh, being overtaken by Nazism. This is what can happen because of the lies of the smart set, the lies of the ones who believe they are just somehow fundamentally better. So, which is why I talk with all my precious daughters your little lies are the real killers. Because, really, by the time you get to the really big lies, where we're, we're, we're talking about with Stephen Secular humanism. The horse has already left the bar, mm-hmm. barn. You know, it is, it's burn it all down one way or the other through arrival or through uh, apocalypse, basically. And that's what you're describing. If, we, if a culture like ours founded on the closest thing uh, to the image and likeness of God ever devised by man, ultimately its epitaph is Islam. Well, it was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? It was. But again, remember, all human wars and conflicts are eventually won by the side with the most conviction. Where do you see the conviction right now? Exactly. Thanks so much for being a part of this series. Uh, Hopefully it set the right tone for what's coming throughout the course of the year here on CRTV. Don't forget to check out the television show to get the first part of today's conversation, CRTV.com, promo code DACE. We are back to normal programming tomorrow. The DACE group 
on Sierra TV, Feedback Friday here on the podcast, that and more coming your way. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.